for me, what I what I like to help people understand is, you know, this idea of of spiritual growth. It's an intentional process that we willingly participate in, but ultimately, God is responsible for the work that grows and happens in our life. And, yeah. and here's what I mean by that. Welcome to Stories I Didn't Tell Last Sunday. I'm Doug McAllister for Journey Fellowship Church, and joining me today is my good friend and our next step pastor at Journey, Al Sharche. Hey, hey, that reminds me of uh, Johnny Sartkick. What was his name? Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon. Wow. Good one, hey sir. <laughs> Good one, sir. Do it again. Hey, <laughs> Hey, good to have you here, Al. I appreciate you uh, making time for us today. Uh, we're going to be talking today about the next step for a believer. But before we get into that, I want to open with a story because the podcast is called Stories I Didn't Tell Last Sunday. So I, like I want to open with a story today. You probably have heard before and maybe you've heard too about Senator Tim Scott. Okay. So we're talking about discipleship today, about taking the next step in your faith. And when I heard Tim Scott tell this story, now if you don't know, Tim Scott is the senator or one of the two senators from the state of South Carolina. He's a fully devoted follower of Jesus and has an incredible testimony. Uh, but part of his story is about the man that discipled him. Mm. And that's the story I want to tell today. So here's the story in a nutshell. Uh, Tim Scott was a teenager. Him and his uh, little brother or sister were being raised by his mom. His, it he was, was definitely a, one or the other. It was one or the other, a boy or a same. girl. Right. Uh, yeah. Living with his grandparents <laughs> And he had a single mom. His dad had left the family. And his mom moved back in back in with her parents and brought her two kids home. And he said they were all three sharing one bedroom. Mm. And he said it made him angry, angry that his dad left, angry that he was stuck living with his mom in a little room and just in the condition that they were living in. They had no money. And he was struggling. And he said he almost failed out of school. So he got a job at a local theater. And it was in a mall in Charleston. Uh, and in the mall, there was also a food court, and one of the restaurants was a Chick-fil-A. Mm. So he said while he was on break from his job or before or after work, he would go to Chick-fil-A and buy an order of their waffle fries and a cup of water. That's all he could afford. So he'd get that every time he would go to Chick-fil-A, get an order of fries and a cup of water. He said finally the owner, the operator of the Chick-fil-A noticed the same kid coming in all the time ordering an order of fries and a cup of water. So he finally one day he said, the, the owner came out and said, son, why do you keep ordering just fries and water? And you never tried the sandwich. And he said, no, sir, I don't have enough money to buy a sandwich. So I, all I can afford is a, is a fry. He said, oh, I didn't know that. Anyway, um, the owner of the, of the restaurant a few days later went to where Tim worked and brought him a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Nice. And he said, I want you to try my sandwich. I paid for it, but I want you to eat it. Thank you. And he ate the sandwich, and they struck up a conversation, a conversation that Tim said in his own words lasted for four years. He said, that man took me under his wing. He said, thank God I had a praying mom who knew Jesus, yeah. and I had a mentor who knew the word of God. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, he spent four years discipling me. And he said, over those four years, I left the theater and I became his disciple. And uh, he said, that man taught me uh, how to earn money, how to save money, how to be a giver, 
uh, how to how to manage money, all the things that you know his uh, his life was missing. Right. This man became his mentor, and he said, "My mama taught me how to pray, but this man." taught me how to understand the word of God. And, you know, uh, his mentor, uh, John Monez, uh, died suddenly in, uh, when Tim was, I think, 18 or 19 years old. Uh, and he had died of a heart attack unexpectedly as a young man. Uh, but Tim said, and man, this really just inspired me so much. He said, Tim said, it was John, the operator of Chick-fil-A. Right. It was John's life's goal to influence a million people with the gospel. Mm. And Tim said he didn't get to finish his goal. He said, but I'm going to finish it for him. Amen. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. He Amen. said, He said, but I'm going to rewrite the goal. He said, for John, I'm not going for a million. I want to influence a billion people for Jesus yeah. in my lifetime. Amazing. Man, it, isn't that incredible? Over a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Now, there's a lot more to that story. <laughs> I mean, I could probably spend an hour. In fact, it should be a movie right. because it's that kind of story. His home life, his school, uh, his mom's prayers, his, his dad's abandonment. It's Tim Scott? Tim Scott. I'm going to look it up. Uh, Senator, I'm not familiar. Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. Uh, man, he is, ju- he's, he is just, you know, uh, an inspiration to hear him talk because of his faith in Jesus and his commitment to his family and his love of America. He said he cried credits his success to three things, a mom that taught him how to pray, a mentor that taught him how to read the word of God, and a country that gave him an opportunity to rise out of poverty. Man, what a great, what a great Amen. story. Yeah. What a great story. You know, and uh, there's, it, it should be a movie someday, you know, that may be president someday, but it's that kind of story that should be told because it's the kind, you know, that leaves an impact for a billion people, right. you know, so we're talking about discipleship, sure. you know, and how one man <clears throat> took a Chick-fil-A sandwich and brought it to a teenager who couldn't afford, gave him the sandwich, opened the conversation, which led to a lifetime of him becoming a fully devoted follower sure. of Jesus. So, you know, we use the word discipleship a lot in Christianity. At Journey, we have our own little term for it that we coined. We call discipleship fully devoted follower. It's right. a lot to say, yeah. Uh, but we just kind of felt like it was a new way to say it. Same meaning, but kind of a, a, right. a, a cultural way to say what we're talking about. You know, how can a person become a fully devoted follower of Jesus? And the word discipleship, do you know what it means in the Greek? Uh, I think it's matateus. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Do you remember a, the definition? Uh, off the top of my head, I think yeah. it's... Um, one who's a learner. Yes, that's exactly. It's disciplined learner. Yeah. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined learner, which, uh, you know, kind of opens the door to us talking about what your role here is, Journey. You wear a lot of hats here at Journey, Al. You're our online campus pastor. Oddly enough, I don't even like hats. You don't even wear hats at all, but we put a new one on you every time you walk in there. Hey, wear this hat here, wear this hat. You know, the first time you came on staff, remember the first job I gave you? I do. What did, What was your first assignment? Uh, media Ninja. <laughs> we made up a name for you. We needed someone to build our, our media yeah. department, and Al, you were freshly saved. I think you were a freshman in Bible college, weren't you? I was. Yeah. yeah. I called you and said, Al, Al, I want you to build my team. Yeah. Like, okay, what you want me to do? I want you to run our media department. To which your answer was, I know nothing about media. Yeah, I had just got a computer <laughs> for the first time in my life. You said, I know nothing about media. I, I said, great. I was learning how You're to turn on a computer. You're the perfect guy for this job then. 
when, um, I, when I started Bible college, I not so I started online Bible college. Yeah. I had never used a computer before, never Man. owned a computer before. Yikes! And uh, and it took a couple of months for me to save money and buy one. But yeah. I was going to the library, yeah. which sounds so ancient. You know? I know. <laughs> I went to the library my first year of Bible college and yeah. uh, and using the computer there. Yeah, but when I started, yeah. you said uh, you gave me a key to the building. Yeah, and uh, and I remember saying, hey. Uh, you know, I was shooting up heroin not that long ago. <laughs> you know, my heroin is, right? Sure, you want me to have a key to the building? <laughs> yeah, it's only filled with equipment. Go on, Nick. Yeah. Pick what you need. Yeah, and then you gave me that task of yeah. uh, of becoming the media ninja, so learning how to turn everything on and get the building ready for yeah. Sunday morning worship. And so. you did. And you've now, of course, you finished school long ago. You're working on your master's degree. And now you not only uh, are helping still lead our media department, you're you're our online campus pastor. Yeah. So if, when people interact on Sunday uh, during the live broadcast, you're you're the guy. You and someone your team, on the team. Yeah. yeah, you and your team are there, and uh, you're also the guy on the video at the end. You know, yeah. giving people. You know. Uh, yeah, we started our original online campus uh, over ten years ago, and yeah. that was that was part of that first mm-hmm. uh, calling that you you know that first hat that you gave yeah. me. Hey, figure yeah. out how to do this. Yeah. And I, I heard this is going on. Can we figure out how to do it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was like, uh, you know, on a shoestring budget and it was yeah. with some chipboard and some duct tape yeah. and some, and some copper somebody's wire. Somebody's little phone. Yeah. Which yeah. just like leans it against the wall. So fortu- hey, pointing toward the stage. Yeah. Fortunately, you, uh, you have a son, Cade, who loves the Lord and yeah. Virtus and so many others who... Yeah, uh, by the way... Kate is producing today, yeah. and Virtus is here. It's yeah. Virtus's birthday. Yes, it you know is. Happy birthday, Virtus. I know. I know. Happy birthday, Virtus. On your birth, you're working on your birthday. Amen. What kind of boss does she have, Gotta man? Love that. I know, right? <laughs> Welcome. But she's been on vacation though, so you know, I don't feel too bad. Welcome back, Virtus. <laughs> Welcome back, Virtus. Yeah. And good to have. Yeah. And Kate is our media director now. Yeah. He works under you. Probably knows a lot more than you. 100%. Yeah, but you're his it's boss. 100%. That's not how that works. Yeah. yeah. Work for me. I know nothing about this. You know everything, but you work for me. Is that all right? <laughs> yeah, God is good. Yeah. Kate took it from where you built it, though, and really created. He turned it into something Man, uh, that's yeah. braggable. It's amazing. Man, it's amazing. You know, I, I watched last night. Uh, I was at home uh, at 6 when the rebroadcast started. I thought, man. Where is this church? This is really great, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ezra was leading worship. I was standing up, man. Man, I was I was, <laughs> I was busting a move in my in the living room when uh, Ezra was leading worship, uh, and so it, it's a great, it's a fantastic uh, media ministry that was born totally out of you know. Um, what you started 10 years ago. So it's interesting. I know it wasn't in the notes necessarily to talk about, but it is interesting you bring that up because that was part of my discipleship process. That's what I was thinking too. You just yeah. being willing to trust me, you yeah. giving me a key and you pulling me in for a relationship, yeah. pulling me in a little bit closer yeah. and pointing me and giving me a little bit of direction during it's, those early years. It's amazing what one Chick-fil-A sandwich can do. You never brought me a sandwich. So I I'm just never say. did. I owe you lunch today. <laughs> All right. Chick-fil-A for you. Uh, you know, maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said a couple of cold water. Yeah. It's amazing what can happen in a relationship when just giving somebody that kind of opportunity. Here's a cup of cold water. Right. You know, here's a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Oh, here's a key to the building. Yeah. You know, I think those kind of things are discipleship more than a, an official program, you know, which are important. But those those human connections are the key, Yeah. you know, for people to have life transformation. Yeah. You know, because it happens no other way unless somebody connects in an authentic way. Kim Wyger, when we had her here um, a couple of couple of weeks back, Mother's now. Day. Yeah, yeah. Yes, she said something that really stuck with me. She said that uh, faith is fostered in community. It's fostered yeah. in relationship. And that word "foster," I think, 
it may have been something she just pulled off the top of her head, but I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. It seems very intentional knowing yeah. her I think line her of notes. work. I think she meant to say it was... Well, you know, her line of work, be, yeah. what she does in China as yeah. a missionary and in yeah. the orphanages and things like that. That word yeah. foster, what, the more I started thinking about fostering faith yeah. right. and intentionally pouring into someone else's faith in the context yeah. of relationship. You know, and they run a string of coffee shops all across yep. the nation too, man. Yep. I mean, they're very humble and unassuming people, but they're like powerhouse, yeah. you know, you know, ministers and gospel and business people, you know, they just do all kind of stuff, yep. you know, I'm, I'm really impressed by them. I love Kim's story. You know, if you didn't, if you didn't hear it, you should go back and watch Kim's message here at journey from mother's day. She told a story about how, how her mother came to faith. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Tearjerker. I cried, man. Yeah. Yeah, her mom was living in. Yeah, well, uh, don't take much to make you cry. Uh, well, that's true. But yeah. it was a great story. I will cry I almost I over anything. As well. Yeah, but that one had me like sobbing, man. You know. But anyway, go back and watch that. It is an. It's good. It's worth your time to hear the story right. about how Kim's mother got saved. It's on the Journey app. Go back and watch the Mother's Day message this year. Kim told the story, but it's just amazing what a cup of water, a sandwich, a key can do in in discipleship right. you know and uh, and here you are you know uh, about to finish your master's yeah so what's your master's in spiritual formation which is just a so it's a master's in divinity yeah. uh, with an emphasis in spiritual formation right so. right and I appreciate too that uh you know all that you do for journey but you're also about to be teaching for bridges yeah is that, that true that's correct that's what I thought yeah uh, at the last board meeting they were bragging on you man everybody's just high on Al Sharsha well, bro I'm, I'm yeah. a good liar you got them all fooled <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're, I mean, you have, you have an earned master's degree in spiritual formation. And you're going to make a I'm great, close. I'm very, very yeah, close. You're only a couple classes. Well, how many classes? Three classes. You're three, three away. Cl three classes away, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not there yet, man. though. Anybody who's... Lord's brought you from, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, um, I could remember when I was about to graduate from SUM with my bachelor's degree, and... Um, I knew God was calling me to continue on. So it was 2012. I knew yeah. he was continuing me to call, calling me to continue on in my education. Yeah. And, um, you know, with the love of apologetics that I have, I, I was trying to figure out if I would go for a master of arts in apologetics at Biola, in, mm -hmm. which is in L.A., or a, a school on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And um, and literally for weeks, maybe a couple of months, I was fasting and praying, yeah. you know, just you know, fast a few days and pray and give up. Fast a few days and pray and yeah. give up. Just seeking the Lord, where do I go to school? And um, what, late one night I was working at the printing company. I was driving home. It's probably 2 o'clock in the morning. And I uh, was literally just praying in the Spirit and crying to the Lord that He wouldn't answer me. Yeah. And tell me where, what school I should go to. I couldn't get clear a clear answer from Him. And when I got home that night, there was not a cloud in the sky one of those nights where you could literally see every single star yeah. and um, when I looked up I saw the, and I just had this thought of Abraham you know speaking to God and seeing all the stars so yeah. I said I'm gonna go sit in the backyard for a moment and just kind of take it all in so I went and sat in the backyard and when I was sitting in the backyard and just looking up at the sky I had a vision just as plain as day of uh, it was a recollection of an event that happened but it was just as plain as day right before me. I looked over to the corner uh, of my patio, and um, a few years prior, I was laying in that spot on the patio, curled up in the fetal position because I couldn't stop putting a needle in my arm. You know, and the Lord spoke very clear. He said, you know, look at where you are to where you are. The biggest problem you have in your life right now is what school you're going to go to for your master's degree. Wow. 
And I said, okay, I'm done. I don't even care anymore. You that know, puts it in perspective. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, wherever, yeah. whatever happens, happens. I, I uh, <laughs> like the, I like the phrase you coined, you know, God takes us from where we are to yeah. where he wants us to be. Amen. That's, to me, that's the um, essence of discipleship. Right. You know, and it's, it's a long journey, which is one of the reasons we named our church Journey, because yeah. Christianity is a journey. It's a long journey. Right. You know, uh, it, it lasts as long as you have breath. You know, it's a lifelong, lifelong journey. So today in our discussion, we talk about next step. So we assigned you a task, you know, months ago right. to help us develop a next step ministry here at Journey, something that's proper and official that will help sure. believers continue to take the next step. And there's a lot of next steps right. in Christianity. You know, once you're saved, then you should be water baptized. And then you right. need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then you need to join a small group. There's all these succession of, of, right. of, of, of small steps. And, uh, you know, a thousand small steps turns into a destiny. Right. You know, and that's what, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about is taking this destiny. You know, um, we often use this question just to remind ourselves, how long does it take for a person to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Yeah, about a lifetime, right? Boom. That's what I think. I yeah. think it's a lifetime. I think it's a, a never-ending journey because, um, you know, um, our transformation is a process. Mm. And it's a very slow, painful process. I heard somebody said this one time, and um, I don't know... Um, who said it? So I can't give people credit. So I'll just pretend that I came up with it. But I heard somebody say this. Christianity is a slow, bloody process. Mm. And, if, and if you don't have a slow, bloody process in your Christianity, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Because it's dying to yourself. Right. And coming alive to Christ. And those are two uh, coexisting realities in your life. You know, that we're, we're dealing with, you know, we just did the series on name change here mm -hmm. at Journey on how God changes our names. And yesterday we talked about Jacob becoming Israel. You know, he was Jacob and Israel. He was a thief and the friend of God. Right. All rolled in the one. He's known as Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he's the father of the children of Israel. Yeah. He's both. And I think that's Christianity, man. You know, the old life passes away. Behold, all things become new. Amen. But it's not in a moment. It's in a lifetime. Right. And I think if we embrace Christianity as, as a lifetime journey, then it helps keep our perspective proper. Well, I think that's 100% accurate, obviously. But what I want to try and motivate our people towards, you know, this yeah. task that you've given me over the last few months is to kind of put a little bit more meat on the bones for what's, I mean, I think we already have a, a next step. We, we have some foundational stuff already there. Yeah. Um, but what I want to be able to do is to encourage people, yes, it's a lifetime process, mm -hmm. but you still have to make a decision to start. Right. You can't keep putting putting it off forever. So true. So, you know, when you look to the lives of the, the first disciples, you know, as Jesus walked along the shore and as he called out to different ones, he's, as he saw different ones under the tree, yeah. as Jesus began to call out to those first disciples, they were living life just like everybody else's. Yeah. They were fishing. They were hunting. They were doing they were regular going to work. Life. They were running their tax businesses. Right. They were, you know. So when he called out for them to follow him, they still had a choice to make. Yeah. Am I going to choose and that's the to key. follow him or not? Right. So they didn't put it off for tomorrow. There was no, but first let me go do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus called. They made a decision. Okay, I'm going to go follow. Right. They got up so and part followed. of part of the process here is helping people understand. One, you have to be all in. Yeah. 
you gotta you gotta be all in and you have to be willing to to start at yeah. some point. Right. So I want to be able to help people find out where they're at on the journey and yeah. then point them to a wide variety of opportunities that are yeah. available to them. Yeah, I think you're so right uh, that we have to challenge people to take the next step. But the reality I think is each person gets to decide how soon they move oh, yeah, in those sure. decisions. And you know, we say it like this, everybody moves at their own level or right. their own pace. And you really don't have the power to change that. Right. All we can do as pastors is offer opportunities, give encouragement, you know, and inspire. Right. But eventually it comes down to that person's decision. You yeah. know, everybody moves at their own level of commitment, you know, is a reality that, you know, we all face, you know, there's you, can, a, you can be Peter or you can be Judas. Right. You get to decide. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, a, a professor. Um, his name is Dr. Ken Boa. And he said it like this. He said that you will not stumble upon spiritual maturity, that it's not something you accidentally fall into. This isn't something that just happens on up, its wow, own. I'm fully devoted to Look Jesus. Look at that. Yeah. How'd that happen? hey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite like that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very intentional process. Yeah. To, uh, to begin to start. So, yeah, and, and that's kind of what we want to be able to develop here at yeah. Journey is yeah. to, to let people know that, uh, yes, you're going to move at your own pace, right. um, but as a part of the church, right. we also want to be able to gently spur you along a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's Hebrews chapter right. 10, um, you know, talks about this, this spurring along of one another. Yeah. And uh, that word spurring along that's used in the Greek there, it is, it's, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's yeah. like if you're riding a horse... You know, you're trying to give it that gentle little so nudge I, to move a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to stab it and kill it. Right? That's no good. The horse is dead. Now what are we going to do? I got to walk. This sucks. Yeah. It's like, so right. I don't want to... Want to spur. I don't want, I want to Not gently kind of yeah. poke and yeah. prod and, and push yeah. a little bit. And yeah. some of that happens just through our teaching and our preaching and our general conversations. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, they're still responsible. Are you going to fight? Are you going right. to push? Are you going to stop? Right. Or are you going to move at the pace you're comfortable moving at, you know? Right. And, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples and their jobs were to make, their job was to make other disciples. Right. You remember in Matthew, uh, Matthew 16, it's also in Luke, um, Luke 9. 9.23. Yeah. Down. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, his disciplined learners, right. if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself right this is a personal decision that you have to make and take up his cross there's another step to that right and then follow me right there's you know a whole there's three different decisions right there in that one verse that a believer you know is responsible to make yeah verse 25 for whoever desires to save his life Mm -hmm. will lose it whoever loses his life for my sake will Find it. What, is, right. what does Luke say? What's the uh, Luke in nine twenty three says basically the same thing. Whoever yeah. wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and yeah. follow me. Yeah. Did Matthew say daily? daily? No. He just said take up your take up your cross. Uh, but Luke probably heard a deeper meaning. Right. Hey, not just once. Right. Daily. Yeah, this is a daily decision. Right. You get a you know in a lifetime you get a billion heartbeats. You ever mm-hmm. heard that rule of thumb Mm-mm. that every living creature. Uh, and, and I have, I'm not a scientist or a biologist, so I, I can't prove this. What is a woman? <laughs> what is a heartbeat? Uh, but I've heard this is, uh, that every, every living, uh, being on the planet, uh, will get about a billion heartbeats. 
you know, uh, a, a chicken's heart beat really fast and they get, you know, three years or whatever a dog gets 15 years well, we got to get sandwiches from somewhere so. uh yeah chick-fil-a come on it's our discipleship plan chicken not dog right yeah 100%. Yeah. yeah and then uh and then humans you know it takes about 75 years for us to have a billion heartbeats our lifespan is about a beat that's a rule of thumb that's not a you know it's not a law but it just tells me that every heartbeat's important man right you know one leads to the next you know one day to the next and christianity following jesus is just that right you know it's every heartbeat every day every decision you know determines destiny you know where am i going to wind up right you know in in my following in my following of jesus so um i want us to talk a lot about what our plan is sure. now you're the resident expert you well, know, you're that's scary. You're, you're the discipleship guru here at Journey. <laughs> uh, so I want you to uh, kind of tell us where you are yeah. in the development of our official discipleship plan. Sure. What's the next step look like? And I know it's a living plan. We're not yeah. introducing that here's the finished product. Right. But where are you in the development of this um next yeah. step plan yeah so while i may be the one in school for it obviously you know you and pastor ken and pastor tanya and so many others who've been you know walking with jesus for 30 plus years obviously you any, anything that i say uh, i may use some different words yeah. and i may have read some different books but ultimately you guys have been doing this yeah. for a long time uh, all i'm trying to do is put a little bit of, of meat on the bones and and kind of yeah. wrangle things up a little bit more than what they uh, they currently are right. so you know for me when i look to to what I, where I began was looking at my own life and how I became a disciple. And I, and I love that you began talking about Tim Scott yeah. and uh, how his process yeah. and how valuable that mentor was right. in his life. Uh, when you first tasked me with this, what the, that's where I began. Well, how did I become a disciple? What happened yeah. in my life? What things were, were there um, in my own life? And what was the process that, that I took? And then I looked, of course, to the scriptures. What do we see evidenced in the scriptures? And when I look to the scriptures, what I saw was Jesus called to the disciples, and when he called to them, they had to make a choice. So the first thing is, you just got to be willing to participate yeah. in this. Yeah. You know, an individual has to be willing to participate in the process. Right. Uh, people are not going to become disciples for any other purpose or reason other than the fact that they want to. Yeah. The next thing I noticed when I looked to the life of the disciples was they had to stop what they were doing um, and basically rearrange the order of their life. Mm -hmm. So they were fishing, they were hunting, they were living. You know, we see accounts of uh, Peter being married and his his mother-in-law had got sick at one point. Jesus went and healed her. But that's the only real discussion to my knowledge, and I didn't study it, I'm just kind of pulling off the top of my head, yeah. that we see of Jesus, I mean, of Peter referring to his mother-in-law. So he had a wife, but we don't really hear a whole lot about yeah. what was going on there. So that does, I'm not saying that he left her completely. I am yeah. simply saying he rearranged his life, as yeah. did all the disciples. Right. And I do want to point out that Jesus did go to his house, mm -hmm. have a meal yep. with his family. Yep. And while he was there, oh, by the way, your mother-in-law got healed. Yeah. So Jesus was deeply involved yeah. in Peter's and The first life. thing she did when she got up after being healed was serve. And she got made, she made, she made, what, made lunch? Yeah. Yeah, she cooked she, some lasagna. She served yeah. him, yeah. yeah. She got up right. and served after she received her healing. Yeah. Right. So my, my point behind looking at what happened in the lives of the disciples is that they began to do two main things, and that's mm. really what our whole plan is built on here yeah. right now. Um, they reordered or rearranged their lives mm -hmm. around the um, 
the devotions that Jesus put before them. And by devotion, I don't mean like a morning ritual, yeah. and that's not wrong with that. My yeah. wife and I both, we read early in the morning mm -hmm. when we wake up, we pray. So that's I have nothing against that, obviously. But right. when I use the term devotion, at least through the context of this conversation, it's primarily in reference to what are the priorities of my life? Yeah. What are the things that I um, devote the most time and energy and resources towards? And when you think about those priorities in life, those things that you're devoted to in life, whether that's your family or your kids or your job or your school or your ministry or your sports team yeah. or your Marvel universe, your Go movies, Tigers. Yeah. you know, you, yeah. whatever the case may be, there are some things yeah. in life that um, just take greater priority other than, than others. So, you know, when we look to the lives of the disciples, they had to rearrange the things that they were devoted to. Yeah. And then they began to learn and practice some new disciplines. Yeah. So it's that idea of biblical disciplines yeah. plus biblical devotions right. equals a biblical disciple. Yeah. And everything that I've been thinking about for the last six months revolves around that phrase. Yeah. Biblical devotions and biblical disciplines equal a biblical disciple. Wow. So then when I look to my own life, I see the same thing play out. Mm -hmm. Very similar to, to what mm -hmm. you described with um, Representative Scott. Senator. So, sorry. Yeah. So when when I look to my own life, when I went to the home of grace, you know, one of the first things that they taught me there were biblical disciplines. Mm. How do I read the Bible? How what does it look like to worship? You know, that was one of the most beautiful things. Yeah. Like, literally, I got cry just thinking about it. Yeah. A hundred men yeah. whose lives were radically saved. Yeah. You know, every week. No. No fog machines. Yeah. <laughs> no women that you got to impress. Yeah. No, it's just. A hundred guys yeah. worshiping Jesus. Yeah. Man, it's just something powerful about, about men yeah. worshiping the Lord like that. It but, really is. So I learned how to pray while yeah. I was there. I learned how to read the Bible while I was there. I learned how to journal and write down my critical thoughts as mm -hmm. I interacted with the, with the scriptures yeah. while I was there. Yeah. learned how to fast yeah. while I was there. I didn't do any of this stuff good, mind you, yeah. <laughs> but I learned like a baby. You learned a devotion. This, is, right. this should be part of my life. Right. Yeah. So, so that, those were disciplines. Yeah specific practices exactly. that I learned. Yeah. The other thing that they taught me, um, I think kind of unintentionally, because mm -hmm. I went back through my notes and I don't see it spelled out this way, but it's the way that I processed it mm -hmm. and it's the way that I've internalized it. And it was how to rearrange the priorities of my life. Yeah. You know, so Matthew 6.33 is a verse that I really hold on to, the mm -hmm. seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness right. and all, all these, these other things will be added unto thee. Yeah. So this this idea of of seeking the kingdom first above all other things is yeah. of the utmost priorities yeah. in my life. Yeah. Seeking the kingdom, loving the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, yeah. and loving your neighbor as yourself. Those things take the highest priority in my life over yeah. every other thing, over, over my the good things and you know the things that aren't quite as good. And you know, I think that becomes so clear for us um, but you don't have to wait until you're 40 right. to do this. Amen. I mean, uh, Tim Scott started when he was 14. Right. You know, other men started when they're 84. Right. But there's no age limit 100%. on discipleship. You can be a disciple of Jesus now, yeah. wherever you are. Amen. 14 or 84 or anywhere right. in between. You know, I was talking with Kate this morning about a, um, a, 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 a YouTube channel influence. Kate, what was that? A YouTube? What is it? I can't hear you. 
Jadeon. Sorry, I'm deaf. Uh, so there's this kid on YouTube. Uh, he went from zero to seven million uh, subscribers on YouTube, Jadeon. And he's like in the top five influencers of Generation Z. Hmm. Right now, I, I, don't, I don't watch him, yeah. uh, but his testimony is incredible. He's a young man. He, he's, in, he's, in his, he's 21. Mm. Uh, you know, he went from zero to 7 million followers. But when you hear his testimony, he gives all the glory to Jesus. Right. And he talks about why God gave him that platform. And every time, this is what he said, when I put the kingdom of God first, mm -hmm. right. my life works a lot better. Right. Man, it's just such a great story, you know, right. that one of the biggest new influencers on YouTube is a 21-year-old kid who has 7 million subscribers, and he's using it to bring glory to Jesus. Right. You know, I just, I just think where, whether you're a young man or an old man, a young girl or an old girl, an uh, old woman. Yeah. <laughs> is there an old girl? Yeah, a young man or a young woman. Country old man, old it. woman. Yeah, right. Yeah, hey, country boy. Hey, old girl, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> um, but whatever your age, doesn't matter. You right. know, it's about your devotion. Right. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Right. And then it's about your discipline. What right. are you doing in, in your life? And so you the, know? The, the hard part for me whenever I share my story personally is, a, a, you know, because I went from heroin addict to Bible college student in, you know, essentially six to nine months, yeah. um, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. And then have, you know, I joined the staff. I was, you know, Luis took me under his wing and was bringing me to prisons. I yeah. wasn't even a year into yeah. salvation. Right. You know, so we're preaching in yeah, prisons. preaching in prisons, man. Yeah. Preaching like, in prisons. I should have been here six months ago on the other side of this bar. Yeah. <laughs> He's bringing me to the ninth yeah. ward. And, yeah. uh, you know, we were doing street evangelism in neighborhoods yeah. that I used to buy drugs in. Yeah. So, you know, I, because my transformation was so radical and right. so quick. Quick. How know, were you when you got saved? 32. So you were 32, which is about the age that Jesus was when he died. Right. So you were, you know, a young man. Right. Very young. Yeah. You know, and you had we a started radical. started attending journey when I was 30. Yeah. So there was about a year and a half or so yeah. of, um, of us attending church. Yeah. Where Jen got saved and started yeah. serving and really started getting plugged in. And I was the guy who came in. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is interesting just to think about the Lord will let me know when I get there one day. Yeah. Because yeah. he may say, that's why you never died for that. Yeah. That's yeah. why you didn't kill anyone else yeah. or anyone. Because yeah. I saved you the first time you walked in the journey yeah. and prayed, yeah. dear Lord, save a sinner yes. like me. Yeah. So he may, I may have been saved for that year prior to, but my life yeah. definitely did not yeah. change. Right. Um, God's mercy is new even when our, our sin, grace abounds. Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I met you. Uh, now, I saw you guys coming to church often, off right. and on. Uh, I remember when Jen got saved, yeah. you know, but I, I would meet, I would see you guys in the lobby. We were meeting at the Harbor Center, I Correct. think, when the first time, my first time I met you. Yeah. We lost our building during Katrina. We moved over there, and we were there a couple times a month. Uh, but I remember you guys would come in. Uh, you would always avoid me. I avoided everyone. Yeah, you wouldn't look at my, my face. You wouldn't make eye contact with me. Uh, but Jen did. Yeah. Jen connected. Yeah. I, I know she got saved. And then one Sunday she came without you. Yeah. And I said, hey, where's your husband? He said, oh. Just Probably pray. numerous Sundays. Yeah, just pray me. for Al. Just, <laughs> all she said was just pray for Al. Yeah. I was like, okay. I think we maybe we even stopped and prayed right then. Yeah. I don't remember. But she said, just pray for Al. But I knew she was going to be the key to your family coming to Christ. Right. Man. And that's the sovereignty yeah. of, of God on display that he yeah. had everything in place for me when I finally was ready to make the decision. Yeah. So he had, Jen was saved. Jen had begun relationships with you and yeah. with Pastor Ryan and so many yeah. others here right. at that time. And, um, you know, all the pieces of the puzzle were in place. The yeah. only thing missing was my willingness. Right. But 
I love that part of your story. When you finally sold out to Jesus, it was 100%. You just went, yeah. okay, I'm in. I'm in 100%. I, I literally remember being in my backyard. And, um, you know, when I prayed that night, yeah. you know, I didn't see angels or, yeah. or hear voices. It really yeah. wasn't like that. But yeah. I like I feel the presence of God now even yeah. talking about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I felt the tangible yeah. presence of God that night for the right. very first time. Hmm. And when I felt the presence of God, I I just knew like okay if God is real, yeah, then I'm really gonna live for Him. Yeah, and I remember thinking that that night in my backyard, and I didn't know what that meant or what it would look like. I just remembered like the awe, yeah, and the majesty that there really is a Creator and a Sustainer of all things. Yeah, and He really does hear my prayer right now. Right, and that was just mind-boggling to me. And I'm just made that decision, and I've been sold out ever since. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that one on 2000, 2006? Um, 2008. 2008. Yeah. 2006, we started attending journey. Before started coming, right. But you sold out in 08. September of 08. Yeah. Which is also another good point in people's journey. You know, it took you a couple of years to get there, you know. But once you got there, you were sold out. Some people get saved, and the next morning they're like, okay, I'm in for 100%. Right. And some people wait 25 years. Yeah. And then, you know what, I, I think I'm going to get baptized. <laughs> That's you know, true. After 25 years, yeah, like, we've had a few. wow, yeah. we've had 10,000 baptisms in the last 25 years. Right. But people, you know, make those decisions, you know. Right. And no one comes to Christ unless the Spirit draws him. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes it's just out of, you know, you got to listen to the voice well, of the Holy so Spirit. So ultimately, you know, that, that's the, what you said is the point behind yeah. why we want to do what we want to do. Because yeah. there are so many people who are on a specific path mm -hmm. um, that may be different than someone else. And yeah. when you have a church that's the size of ours, there's no one path that works for everyone. Right. Um, so that's kind of why I take this idea of help. I want to be able to help individuals understand that there are certain disciplines we can practice. Yeah. There are certain devotions that we should order our life by. Right. Not everyone has to go to Bible college. Not right. everyone has to take the route that I went. Yeah. But there's still a certain order to the yeah. priorities of your life. Yeah. So if I could help individuals um, prioritize their life correctly, yeah. uh, biblically, and uh, and help them understand what which practices they can begin to put into play in their life. Yeah. Then they're on that journey. They're moving. Yeah. So what are your three D's? Disciple, uh, devotion, uh, discipline, devotion plus discipline equals discipleship. Boom. Devotion plus discipline equals discipleship. Right. That's a really good formula, man. It just really Very simple. makes it so easy. So easy, I can't remember it. Right. <laughs> Came right to you, though. My, my mind just I just, I, I appreciate What's the thing simplicity. you've been studying for six months? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I've been working on it for three months. I'm six months. I've got this figured out. But you yeah. know, they say that uh, the genius of a great communicator, he can take a complicated subject and make it simple. Yeah. And I think that is a great way to say what we are wanting to accomplish, you know, how we can uh, take biblical devotion to biblical discipline and help people become, you know, right. biblical disciples, fully devoted followers right. of Jesus. That, that kind of like the cornerstone, I think, of what you're working on. Yeah, 100 percent. So yeah. for me, what I what I like to help people understand is, you know, this idea of of spiritual growth. It's an intentional process that we willingly participate in. But ultimately, God is responsible for the work that grows and happens in our life. And, yeah. and here's what I mean by that. So there's this, there's always this delicate balance between personal responsibility and God's sovereignty. Yeah. The two sides to the same coin. 
when we look to discipleship in that same model, that same idea, what we see is we have to be personally responsible and participate in certain things, but just because I participate in certain things doesn't guarantee a certain outcome right away. Yeah. So if I fast for 21 days, it doesn't mean that God is obligated to do yeah. something for me. Right. You know, God isn't looking down from heaven saying, God, oh, Al hasn't eaten pizza in 21 days. Yeah. I better answer his Give prayer. Give him what he wants. Yes. Yeah. It's like, no. Ding, 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 ding. Exactly. We don't twist <laughs> God's arm to respond yeah. by participating in these certain disciplines. Right. But when I look to, I think it's the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, yeah. what we see on display there is, one, um, there's a, the seed going forth, which yeah. Jesus says is the word of God. Right. The seed goes into our heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I look, again, I just look to my own life yeah. as that year and a half that I attended Journey yeah. prior to that encounter with him in my backyard. Right. You were preaching the word every Sunday. Yeah. Pastor Ken, I remember, was going through the book of Romans right. on Wednesday nights. I yep. occasionally attended that, even yep. though I was still right. living a crazy whilst life as a sinner. Yeah. But the word of God was going forth. Jesus says that the word of God is like a seed. He tells us of the different paths in that uh, parable of the sower that the path is, it, it relates to the heart of an individual. And some yeah. is hard, some is stony ground, some of it is more fertile than others. Yeah. But the thing that is common through all four of the different soils that are mentioned there is the natural inclination of the seed is to grow. Yeah. The Word of God is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any, any double-edged sword. It pierces through the divisions of the soul and the spirit, the, the, the bone and the marrow. It gets right to the heart of the matter. Yeah. God's Word was going forth, mm-hmm. even though for that year and a half, while I was um, still living while and out, yeah. the reality was God's Word was being preached, yeah. and it was coming into my heart. Yeah. And as it began to try and grow, it would challenge me. I would be convicted on certain things. Now, I I still had free will, personal responsibility to reject it or receive it. And fortunately, you know, it took about a year and a half, but I came to that place where I decided I am now going to receive it wholeheartedly. When I went into the home of grace and began to practice those disciplines, the best way that I think about this process is like a farmer. Mm-hmm. And a, a farmer has to go out and till the soil. Yeah. He has to work the ground. Yeah. So when we're praying, when we're fasting, when we're reading the word, when we're participating in those certain disciplines, yeah. those things are like tilling the soil of our heart. Right. But only God sends the rain. That's it. Only God sends the spirit to bring the increase. Yeah, how did Jesus say this? Uh, it is the Lord that gives the increase. Right. I mean, we, we can plant and we can, you know, and we can reap, but only the Lord gives the increase. So some people wonder why they come to church for 20 years, but yeah. they don't see any fruit in yeah. their life. Yeah. But then you begin to, to push a little bit. Well, right. how much time are you spending reading the word? Right. How much time are you spending journaling? How much time are you yeah. spending worshiping? How much time are you? So I check your devotions. Yeah. What are the what are the priorities in your life? Yeah. And we see that, you know, you make time to come to church every Sunday yeah. and I'm thankful for that. Right. But the reality is you're not seeing growth because you're not tilling the soil of your heart. Yeah. And boy, that's a great analogy. The farmer is responsible right. to till the soil right. long before the harvest comes in. Right. In fact, daily. Amen. You gotta till it every day or you don't get you don't get a harvest. Right. You know, but it's the Lord that gives the increase. So we're uh working now. This uh 
if you're watching this, we're recording it in July of uh, 2022, and we're going to have a Sunday in August. Right. So next month, we're doing a full Sunday dedicated to Next Step. So if you're watching after August, you can go back and watch that sermon on uh, on the app. Uh, but we're going to devote a whole Sunday kind of laying out the plan for Next Step, right. which will mesh you know, like hand in glove with our small groups. Yeah, and I can give you an overview before we close yeah. out. Absolutely. Yeah, and I kind of want you to do that before we wrap it up. You mm-hmm. know, let's, let's talk about it because we want uh, our church to know of our uh, of our proper plan for discipleship. Now, we know that discipleship only happens in the context of real relationships. Correct. We get that. Right. But we want to build a system that supports those relationships. Right. So that and, they can house them. Yeah, and that's actually yeah. what I wrote down. So it's, it's good. You know, yeah. just that that over the last six months, I've been creating a system that connects yeah. all of our ministries. Yeah. So from small groups to Next Step, Generations, the W Team, the Care Team, Outreach, and the Sunday Experience. Yeah. yeah. The controlling questions uh, question that all of our leaders for each of those different ministries can yeah. begin um, asking those within the ministry is, where are you on yeah. this faith journey? Boom. That's the controlling question that yeah. I really want to incorporate into the culture yeah. of our leadership. Right. That when we're having conversations, not just from the stage, but just in the hallways, through yeah. texting, whatever the case yeah. may be, yeah. helping individuals understand that they are in a place on yeah. their journey, whether yeah. they recognize it or not, yeah. how do we gently spur them to think a little more critically about where they are at in right. the process of discipleship? Yeah. And then from there, once we can help individuals begin to understand, okay, no, I have to take personal responsibility for my spiritual maturity or lack thereof, yeah. if we can help individuals come to that place... Um, then we can begin to point them into a, mm-hmm. a variety of directions. Yeah. So you move at the pace you're comfortable moving at, yeah. but here at Journey, here are some different options for you. And it yeah. isn't necessarily an exhaustive list, but it's right. a it's a good place to get started. Yeah. Um, so you know, I wrote down here. You know, one of the things that we can do as we ask people um, that controlling question, where are you? on this faith journey. So one way to find out where you're at on the journey, you can do just a self-assessment where you're at in life, what's going on in your own life. So you could write down things that you're devoted to and list them in order of importance. So for me, you know, I've done this in the past. You write down um, blocks of time. You know, what are you doing? You spend this much time at work. You spend this much time um, at, at home with the children, this much time working on homework, mm-hmm. this much time doing whatever. Yeah. Literally write down the things that you're doing mm-hmm. throughout the course of a day and over the course right. of a week. It takes a little time, yeah. but it proves to be fruitful. Because what happens is, off, I would venture to say 90% of us think that we have a certain set of priorities yeah. But if we really look at how we're spending our money, yeah. and we look at how we're spending our time, right. we come to a different conclusion. You're forced to come to a different conclusion. Right. That, hey, all my money and all my time and all my energy is going over here. And this thing that I say is so important, mm-hmm. my relationship with Jesus, yeah. is actually way down here, number five on the list of, of mm-hmm. ten. Wow. How do I move this from number five up to number one? And it doesn't mean that you don't do the other things because... You know, everybody enjoys a good movie. Everybody enjoys watching the Tigers play football. Everybody loves Go the, Tigers. Yeah. So <laughs> so those things are, it's not that those things are bad. Yeah. That's not what we're saying. But no. how do we rearrange them biblically? Yeah. And so that, that everything can be holy and sacred right. if it's all done in honor of the Lord. Right. So, you know, that that's, uh, for example, I don't 
differentiate between gospel music and music, it's yeah. secular music. I think all music belongs to the Lord, and I think some of it needs to be redeemed, but it all it all belongs to Him. <laughs> right. You know, and I think sometimes we try to make discipleship a holy experience mm. in our definition, right. but we want our lives to you know matter to Jesus right. in the kingdom of God, but also leave an impact in. A dark world, right. you know. So there's a fine balancing act that goes on there in our Christianity. You know yeah. that sometimes we get too legalistic that we're of no earthly value, or too yeah. worldly that we're of no heavenly value. You know, I, I was reminded just now of um, you know part of the process of you discipling me. So we've done book studies together, in, not just me and you personally, yeah. but when you, you had ten or twelve of us together, right. I remember, we and uh, we went through. Uh, a couple different books. Every it seemed like every summer it was something that you did with about eight or ten of us for a few yep. years for in years. a row. Yep. But um, and while that there's a whole lot of value there, I don't yeah. knock that process. Right. I can guarantee you, I learned more from you just yeah. by spending time with you. And that's probably the case. So of this you inviting me to go on road trips with you once yeah. a month yeah. when you were doing your book tour thing. Well, we have some good stories. We did some we can't ever tell. <laughs> <laughs> They're but, all legal and holy. Yeah, but. We can't tell because <laughs> my, my point simply behind mentioning yeah. that was whenever we were on those road trips together, yeah. Yeah. it's not like you were reading your Bible to me and telling yeah. me these, you yeah. know, these Bible stories. It's not yeah. like you were laying these yeah. deep leadership principles yeah. or anything. It, yeah. Much of life is much of what we learn in life is is caught. Yeah. just from proximity. It is. And because I was willing to be close to you and, yeah. and rearrange my life to where discipleship Man, mattered, so I was true. able to take advantage of what you what just kind of naturally flowed from your life. Yeah. So one of the biggest lessons that I learned from you was just, man, what is, what does a real Christian man look like? Yeah. What does a, a Christian father look like? How does yeah. he treat his children? Yeah. How does he treat his wife? Yeah. You know, just sitting next to you as you made phone calls, checking in on everybody as yeah. we're riding yeah. through Shreveport or wherever yeah. we we're at. Yeah. So, you know, that's not, there's no formula yeah. for that. There's no, yeah. th there's no specific thing written down. First do this with pastor, then right. do that. Right. It all happened as a result of me rearranging my yeah. the disciplines and the devotions of my life. Yeah. So that, you know, I allowed that to happen, you know, and here at journey, I can guarantee you that myself or pastor Doug or pastor Tanya or pastor Ken, if you want to be mentored, if you want to be discipled, if you're willing to rearrange the devotions of your life, we're willing to teach you. Yeah. We're willing to walk with you on this journey. Pastor Andy, I know, yeah. is willing to walk with you yeah. on this journey. Pastor yeah. Mike had a great conversation with him last night about our small groups. Yeah. Um, he's willing to rearrange things in order yeah. to help you get yeah. from wherever you are to where God wants you to be. Yeah. But ultimately, that's what it's about, is how do we make ourselves available, yeah. gently spur people along, help yeah. them understand where they're at in the process, help yeah. them know that they're personally responsible yeah. for their spiritual growth, yeah. and then we as a church provide provide a, a variety of options for you to choose from. So the, yeah. the 13 that I have written here, again, this isn't yeah. um, an exhaustive list yeah. by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a conversation starter. If Let's you have them. So practical steps that you could take. Number one, first and foremost, trust Jesus as Lord, right? Yeah. Make, a, make up your mind that you're actually going to follow him. So all in. be all in yeah. getting water baptized. You know, for some people I could remember, even though I was all in, yeah. um, even though I, uh, I like, really, I was about to go to Bible college and yeah. everything. There was a, a very prideful part of me that did not want to get water baptized. Yeah. 
I was baptized as a baby, yeah. and uh, and I and I didn't like. I felt like I'm starting Bible college. Like yeah. I was almost embarrassed yeah. that I had never been baptized yeah. earlier in life. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to. It's just a pride thing. It was yeah. an embarrassment and a shame thing. And yeah. you know, the Lord had to deal with my heart. I, I probably should have been baptized yeah. significantly sooner than I was, but. You know, I was such a wreck when I got saved. I signed up every time they had baptism. <laughs> yeah. I got baptized and rebaptized. Yeah, I think I had three baptisms. And finally, yeah. the pastor said, "Okay, you got to stop. Yeah, you, 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 the first three are good. Right, <laughs> you're done. Right. <laughs> he had to cut me off, bro. I yeah. was addicted to baptism. So some some people, you know, they are getting. They've been in church yeah. for twenty years, yeah. but but you still need to be baptized. Yeah. And you know, we, right. we do that every few months. It's important. Here. Yeah, amen. I mean, Jesus commanded it. And he was baptized. Right. So if Jesus was baptized, then... And I, th- I, I think that it's a little bit more than just following his commands. I think yeah. that probably takes the greatest precedent. Yeah. But I do think there's a very real spiritual transference that occurs yeah. during that process Absolutely. as well. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes I think yeah. we, we miss that. But Yeah, we well, even what um, one of the apostles said, born of the water and of the spirit. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's crucial. Yeah. You know? So the third thing I have here is just praying for the Holy Spirit, you yeah. know, praying to be baptized in the Spirit with evidence yeah. of speaking in tongues. It's yeah. something that we hold dear here at Journey. Absolutely. Um, we may not be, you know, preaching on it every single Sunday, but the reality is it's a part of who we yeah, are. It's the a, core of who we are. Amen. We know that every believer should be baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, because Amen. it is that empowerment we receive as believers to do the work of Christ. I can't do the work of Christ. Right. I can be a vessel for the Holy Spirit, though, right. and he does the work. Amen. So uh, trust Jesus as Lord, get water baptized, pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, become a church member. So this process of becoming a, an actual member yeah. of the church, it's interesting. I was talking to someone yesterday, and um, he's been coming to Journey for a couple years now. Yeah. And he said, um, you know, he, he basically said, hey, I don't really... I don't, I don't really do anything outside of go to work mm-hmm. and come here on Sundays. Like, I don't really, like, I need something more. And I said, man, you need to be in a small group. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, well, what is, you tell me what this is. What yeah. is this? Like, he he was, he's yeah. trying to figure it all Legitimately out. Legitimately didn't know. So I just explained the process of, of um, finding some like-minded individuals. Yeah. Who you can do life with. Hmm. Maybe, you have, maybe you can find people who have, not maybe, you will find people. Yeah who have similar um, likes, similar dislikes. And yeah. you can, you know, doing lunch together with people. You, mm-hmm. They're going through book studies. To, you know, discipleship, as yeah. I said a moment ago, isn't yeah. just reading through a book study together. Yeah. Plenty of groups that we offer here are relational groups. Absolutely. You know, Mike and uh, and Ray were talking yesterday about um, a group they used to do in the past where they were cooking meals. Yeah. So they had a handful of people and uh, one family, so Ray would cook you know, enough of one thing for an entire week, but she would keep, you know, a gallon bag of whatever it was and then give the other bags away. And then someone else would do the same thing, cook for a week. So they all like four or five of them all cooking for a week, but then they would just trade bags with one another. So it was, it was pretty ingenious. I was like, cool small group. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to get in a group like that with Mike Sanders. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I went to Mike's small group. Mike did a cooking uh, small group. Right. And he would cook the meal right in front of us and they would all eat it. Right. You know, whenever it involves food. Okay. I'm, I'm signing up for that group. Yeah. It's a great group. Mike is 
a great chef, man. Right. He can cook almost everything. But but there yeah. are people who they they think of church as something that they do and check off the yeah. list, right. and uh, as opposed to what it's supposed to be is, is yeah. actually doing life together. Yeah. You know, like our small groups vary from dudes golfing yep. to. Uh, breakfast with uh, other 55-year-olds to Bible studies to women's groups to right. groups with just teenagers. You right. know, every every person needs to be involved in authentic relationships because that's where life transformation happens. So Whether I, it's golfing or eating lasagna. Right. You know? I think the key is the individual beginning to understand where they are in the on the journey of faith. Yeah. So I'm right here. I'm, I need I need relationships yeah. right now. You right. know, the kingdom of God is built on relationships, right? Yeah. So some some people, like the individual I was talking to yesterday, you know, he recognized like this is an area of my life that is really lacking. Yeah. You know, when the light really went off for him is when I told him I said, hey, something the Lord's really been impressing on my heart the last couple of months is that God works through people and He honors the process. Yeah. So the more you hinder your relationships with people, the more you segment and kind of shield yourself yeah. from relationships with people, the more you're actually hindering God from being able to get you the wisdom and the revelation and the yeah. blessing that he wants to deliver to you. Mm. And man, when I said that, all of a sudden, like a light switch went off. He's like, man, wait a minute. God may want to use someone to bless me, mm -hmm. but because I'm not in relationship, I may actually be hindering him. I may be the problem here. Because, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because God oh. works through people. True. Yeah. So gain new friends by becoming a church member. Number five, we yeah. can live in freedom over our hurts, habits, and hangups. And, Boom. you know, that's a, a key thing, obviously, that's near to my heart just because of my past, but also yeah. because I lead the Celebrate Recovery ministry right. here. Right. And, um, you know, and that's a that's a beautiful ministry just to watch people come in with. Yeah. Um, not, it's Most people are afraid to come to CR because they think it's for those people yeah. with addictions. It's for all of us. Yeah. And I like the three H words that we use yeah. to describe who is qualified for CR. You have a hurt or a habit or a hang up right. that you need help getting from free right. from, then this is for you. And man, how true, whatever you, uh, whatever level you're in in your Christianity, yeah. all of us are dealing with those three things yeah. at some point. Hurts, we classify as, as those emotional wounds that we yeah. just pick up as we go through life. Yeah. So it could be, um, you know, bitterness or resentment. It could be yeah. grief, any of those yeah. sorts of so things. So I'm getting coffee Sunday morning at the cafe. Yeah. And uh, I won't say her name, but just for her, protect her identity. But she said, I've got to tell you my story. Um, and I'll make it real quick. She said, I was at CR last Monday night and Pastor Al preached on forgiveness. And she said, I thought I dealt with this already mm -hmm. two years ago when I first came to, to the Lord. He said, but she, he said something that reminded me of a hurt I have never dealt with. Mm -hmm. And he said, the words that people speak over you. And she said, I remember while I was sitting there, what my husband told me mm -hmm. the night that he left me. Yeah. And he said, those words echo in my heart all the time. And I was still angry with him about it. Yeah. And you said, he, she, she said, Pastor Al wanted us to deal with it that night. So she said, I just said it out loud. This is what he told me. And yeah. she, by this time, we're both crying. This is what he told me. And she quoted what he said to him. And she said, he challenged me to make a decision to forgive him and release it. And she said, Pastor Doug, the moment that I said that out loud, and Lord, I forgive him. She said it was like a 50, this is her words, a 50-pound backpack yeah. was taken off my back. Yeah. And I felt free for Thank the first you, time since, she left, since he left me. Yeah. 
eight, six years, eight years ago. Yeah. So the first time I'd been free from it since I didn't realize I was still carrying that much unforgiveness. That's good. So, you know, that's just a great story of when you make a decision, a pinpoint decision uh, about a past hurt yep. that Jesus can deliver yeah. you from. And, and I know who you're speaking of, yeah. you know, and that's an individual who's never dealt with addiction. Never. Never dealt with addiction. Never. She has no addictions, right? but she has a lot of and hurt. The majority of the people who are here on a Monday night have never yeah. dealt with addictions. Yeah, she just has yeah. a lot of hurt. But, you know, she says, I'm, for the first time in my life, I am free. Amen. Man, well, I didn't want to go to church. I was like, okay, good. Church was starting. I said, I'm going to roll into worship, but this is a great story. Man. Yeah. You know, it's just a powerful story. Yeah. You know? God's good. God's yeah. good. Yeah. So I, I really see the ministry as a, as a crucial part of, um, of people's spiritual development, helping them get from wherever yeah. they are to where God wants them to be. Yeah. Because so many of us do, we, we come to the Lord with our baggage. We come yeah. to the Lord. We, we, we use Christian phrases often like, yeah. you know, let me leave it at the cross. Let me put it at yeah. the altar, get, put it in God's hands. Yeah. And that's all true. But yeah. people need to know how. Right. How do I physically do this? What yeah. is, what's the step to do that at CR? We work through right. that process. Yeah, what's, up, what's next on your list? Uh, number six, develop a biblical worldview. Man, so just, huge. You know, you going through the I Believe series right yeah. now, which should be available in the next few weeks. We're right? almost done. We're at, uh, out of 16 episodes. We just recorded 12 today. Yeah. Uh, so we have four more to go, and uh, we're writing those now. But it, it's basically a 16-part a, a series, about 10 minutes each, mm-hmm. that goes through the tenets of our faith so that a new believer at a glance could, you know, found the uh, – could uh, learn the foundation. I would say even an old believer, what I believe. somebody yeah. who's been here for 20 years, right. maybe right. hasn't gotten involved in a small group, right. maybe. So the 16 videos are going to be, you know, they're, 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 they're quick, they're 10 minutes or 12 minutes, something like that each, but you can kind of get uh, your arms around the core doctrines of our faith, you know, yeah. which we all need to be able to say what I believe, right. you know, not just what Pastor Al believes, right. but what do I believe? Right. You know, and of course we believe the word of God, but what does the word of God say? Yeah. 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 I, I think that's crucial because, you know, our actions stem from our beliefs. Yeah. And attending church isn't, you know, what's going to save us. Yeah. Attending church in and of itself doesn't yeah. um, help us to become fully devoted followers. Yeah. We have to begin to challenge what yeah. we believe and fully understand and grasp yeah. why we believe what we believe. I don't believe it because Pastor Doug believes it or right. Pastor Al believes it. I have really come to believe this. And right. the I Believe series that you're filming, I think, is going to be a great yeah. um, part of the process for people to to better understand who we are as a church and right. what the foundations of the faith are. And how important is it for a believer to have a biblical worldview? Oh, 100%. It's crucial, especially in the culture we live in now where right. biblical worldview is under attack. Right. You know, I was reading a story this morning. Um, the SEC hired a country music uh, singer to write a song to open up the SEC games mm-hmm. this fall. So they hired this guy who's a believer, and he wrote a song, uh, and one of the lines is, Friday night is about football and Jesus, you know, which is a total Southern thing. Yeah. It's, it's the Southeastern Conference, so all the colleges are in the South. Right. And he just really just nailed the, he nailed our culture. You know, in the South, we love football and we love Jesus. Right. Of course, Jesus is first, but it works better right, in right. the rhyme, you know, football and Jesus. <laughs> and man, I'm, you know, and now I, I was reading some people, ESPN is just hating it yeah. because ESPN's woke and they hate, sure. they hate the gospel. Uh, but they're trying to get people to, you know, protest a song. Right. Not 
not because it's a bad song, but because Jesus is mentioned so prominently. Right. And it, we, you know, but a biblical worldview, you know, right. is crucial, whether it's uh, SEC football or Sunday morning worship, you know. Right. Do, how do you interpret the world around you? You know, somebody said it like this, a worldview is the window through which you view the world. Right. You know, is it secular or is it biblical? And man, people need a biblical worldview. Right. Yeah. That, that's actually what the H, that's how I define the H at, uh, for hurt, habit, and hang up. Yeah. I define a hang up as a biblical worldview. Boy, I define so hang good. up as, yeah. you know, oh, I, I'm broke, I'm busted, I'm disgusted, I'm always kidding, yeah. woe is me, mm. that negative Nancy type attitude. To me, yeah. that's unbiblical. Yeah. Um, and it's one of a wide variety of unbiblical. Right worldviews that we can have right and when people look at the world through that hang-up right it becomes like a lie that is treated as truth right you know i'm always going to be poor i'm always going to be sick right i'm always going to be forgotten yep you know and it becomes a lie which a lie treated as truth becomes a stronghold yeah and then you live in that lie you know universe instead of the truth yeah. you know and the biblical worldview sets us free yeah that's good yeah that's good so uh developing a biblical worldview and we present the i believe series as a way to help people understand and develop that worldview number seven sharing your faith with others or learning how to share the gospel and to share yeah. your testimony Number eight, serving others by joining a weekend team. So yeah, getting yeah. involved here at the church in right. some capacity, reading the Bible daily. There are lots of different plans available on Version and the Bible engagement app. Right. Lots of different ways that we provide for people to do that. Yeah. Uh, number 10, join a Bible-based small group. So we said yeah. earlier, there are lots of relational groups, right. but depending upon where you're at on the journey, maybe yeah. it isn't a relational thing. Maybe you you need to dig deeper Get in the word. into God's word. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, join a Bible-based small group. Number 11, uh, learn to fast and pray regularly. Mm. Um, Pastor Luis used to say back in the, back in the day, people used to fast and pray. Now they just pray fast. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Luis, man. (laughs) Boy, I miss him so much. He's in Argentina. Learning how to uh, fast and pray regularly. Number 12, live generously. Uh, Learning how to... um, to give, not just um, financially, but I think it's a it's an attitude of the heart yeah, that yeah. permeates every other aspect of our life. So That's our tenth our generous. tenth house habit right. journey is we give generously Amen. in every area of our life. Right, energy, money, time. Yep. And then number twelve, I mean number thirteen is uh, attending church faithfully. Yeah. And really, that that kind of all of that is summed up in that idea that I, I said before of um, of God working through people yeah. and honoring the process. And what part of the process are we in? That's what we want to figure out. Where, yeah. where are we at on the path of discipleship? Right. Right. God honors the process of discipleship. He yeah. honors that wherever you're at on that step, he's going to show up. Yeah. And if you surround yourself with the right people and you're yeah. willing to move forward, he's going to bless you. He's yeah. going to give you the wisdom yeah. and revelation. Find out needed. where you are on the journey. We went to a mall. Do you remember back when there were malls? Yes. Yeah, those things are done now. Everybody's getting away from malls. But at one time, America was a mall-driven economy. There was like just one giant city size shopping center where everybody was under one roof. So I'm at this mall. It's a gigantic mall. I don't, I don't remember where we were, but there was there was every few uh, you know hallways there would be a big kiosk with a map of the whole mall there, right. and there was a little red arrow that said you are here. Right, man, that was that was a lifesaver, man, because <laughs> I'm lost in this you know just complex of right. hundreds of stores, and I'm trying to find Chick Fil A. 
You know, I'm like, oh, I have to make two more turns and then the food court's right ahead. Right. But without that little red arrow, yeah. you are here. Yep. You know, that really brings it all home. You know, how do I get from where I am? Yeah. Where are you out on the faith journey? To where I'm going. Yep. You know, so, hey, man, I've enjoyed our conversation. Amen. We're going to um, have some fun. Uh, this is the start of Next Step, so we're going to roll it out this year, and then we're going to develop it and keep building it, you know, and helping uh, people that journey um, become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Two more things I want to ask you before we close sure. out. Number one, who is responsible for my discipleship? Well, you are responsible for your discipleship, and I am responsible for mine. Cool. Now, I think that may be a misconception in the church world that Pastor Al is responsible to make me a disciple. Yeah. You don't have that power, do you? No. No. So every person is responsible for their own discipleship. What is your, what is your part of that equation? As far as what, as far as the pat being a pastor? No, as or? far, yeah. What is, what is a role of a pastor in helping people become disciples? So my role, I want to help people understand where they're at on the path right yeah, now, and right. I want to provide them with more opportunities. There it is. I think that's so true. All you can do is give opportunities. Right. And people have to either decide to get on the expressway or stay on the right. service road or park, right. you know, in the grass. You get to decide, but you... You're building the, the, the infrastructure, but right. people are responsible. And last question, uh, how can Journey people who are watching today, how can Journey people get connected to you and to Next Step? Yeah, so my email is al at jf.church. You know, anybody could email me at any time. I, all, I have no problem giving my cell phone number out, 985-259-5972. Just don't call me. That's all I ask. Don't call me. <laughs> Just text me. Text yeah. me, yeah, because I don't really answer. Is that the new rule in life? It's my yeah. rule. I don't yeah. know if it's the, yeah. but it's mine. If people's calling, hey, they didn't text me first. I, well, if I know who it is, then that's different. Yeah. If I know who, Don't you if, love it when you get a, uh, an unknown number, like unknown? <laughs> my phone usually said potential, potential spam. spam right. You're like, oh, I'm right. not answering that then. I don't yeah. want to extend my warranty anymore. Yeah. If, uh, if I have the number, if you text me first and say, Hey, it's such and such, and yeah. then I could save your number and then yeah. we can kind of take it yeah. from there. But yeah. So people who really want your help right. to get from where they are to figure out, I am here right. arrow to where they need to be. Right. You're going to help them get connected. hundred yeah. percent. Of course we have the online connect card on yeah. jf.church right on our home website. Right. You can find, fill out the online connect card and simply type it in the comment section there. I yeah. want to, I want to take a next step. I want to talk to pastor Al about uh, where I am on this faith journey. So wrap it up now with small groups. Sure. Tell us about, you know, uh, uh, the connection between next step and small groups. Well, we believe, at least I firmly believe that we come to faith as individuals, but we grow in the context of community. And, yeah. and essentially what that means is, you know, no one's responsible for my salvation other than me and Jesus. Right. So I make that decision to follow Jesus. I can't live on someone else's faith. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going to grow in the faith, then that's going to happen through the context of relationship because yeah. of what I said before, that right. God works through people yeah. and he honors the process. So here at Journey, Next Step and small groups are basically a hand very, and a glove. Yeah, yeah. they're very intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. And that so was part of the conversation. So if I'm part of a Next Step night. class, I, I'm in a small group. Correct. And if I'm in a small group, I'm part of my, your Next Step. That's correct. Yeah, and I think that makes it very simple. You know, do life with a group of people, a small right. group that you can be in an authentic relationship yeah. with. So anyway, hey, man, uh, good luck on finishing these last three classes. I need it. Yeah, your master's degree <laughs> is within sight. Yeah. Man, what a great journey it's Not been, close Al. Enough. 
What a great journey I'm it's so ready been. For it to be done. Anything you want to wrap up with before no, we close? I'm, I'm good. I'm excited about what's to come in the future. Yeah. So uh, we'll be getting together and planning our August uh, next step rollout. So we're excited about that. Yep. If you're watching after that, you can see it on the Journey app in September. If you can go back and watch it. But we're excited about the fall semester here of small groups. It's going to be a wonderful time to help people grow in their faith and to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So, Hey, thanks for watching today. It's been a pleasure spending this last hour or so with you. Has it been an hour? How long has it been? Holy mackerel. (laughs) It's been a fun time together. So, uh, I want to say uh, if you're watching us today, there's uh, a whole lot more content at jf.church or on the Journey app. Go to the App Store and download Journey Fellowship Church app. It's compliments of Journey. It is loaded with resources to help you in your journey of faith. You can find a complete list of our small groups. You can watch past sermon series. Uh, You can sign up for a small group. You can give online. You can watch the online campus. Uh, We have a wonderful team that uh, supports all of our media, uh, the online campus, the Journey app, all the social media. And thanks to all of you who are interacting. You know, uh, our Instagram post and our other social media platform is now generating thousands of interactions. Uh, Christian and Virtus and Kate and and the whole team, man, are just just doing an amazing job of, of, of sharing the gospel. Uh, you know, on online, uh, online and yep. in social media. So uh, anyway, had a great time today with you. Uh, I'm Doug McAllister for Journey Fellowship Church. And thanks for joining us today for stories I didn't tell last Sunday. <laughs>